Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. Welcome back to another episode of Tube Talk presented by VidIQ. I am your host, Viper, the man about tech, executive producer of social media here at the IQ. And you know, sometimes your YouTube channel can lead to the most interesting opportunities for you as creators. So let's say you are a sports content creator, you're covering football, you're covering basketball, NBA, NFL, uh, MLB, whatever the case may be, right? So let's say you're a sports creator and somehow you find yourself, uh, because of your YouTube channel and your body of work, ending up working with the biggest sports network in the world, a.k.a. ESPN. Yeah. You go from making videos in your bedroom on YouTube to ended up working for the worldwide leader in sports, ESPN. If you think I'm talking fiction and fantasy, I'm going to uh, let you listen to the rest of the podcast because that's exactly what has happened with this week's guest, Pat the Designer. He went from doing YouTube videos to now being a podcast host with ESPN. It is a fascinating story, so I'm going to shut up. Let's bring Pat in, and let's roll to the podcast. Welcome back to Tube Talk, presented by vidIQ. And Dick Week Guest has had a very interesting journey in their creator career. He is a fourth analyst, commentator, content creator. Let me introduce my man, Pat, the designer. What's up, sir? How you doing? What's happening, my guy? How you feeling, man? Appreciate you having me on. Man, I appreciate you being here, Pat. I know how busy you are. We will get to why you're uber busy in a few minutes or whatever. But again, thank you, man. I appreciate you. No, it's nothing, man. I, I love doing stuff like this, bro. This is uh, this is this is what it's all about. This is the best part. Absolutely. So, first question I got to ask you, Pat: What brought you to YouTube? Oh, what brought me to YouTube? Um, nobody's ever asked me that before. That's very interesting. Ooh, okay. uh, that's a new question. I'm not going to lie. I didn't expect that to be the first <laughs> question. Uh, what brought me to YouTube was um, the the ability and opportunity to create um, something that you can literally document and see grow. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I mean, listen, you, you're talking about if you go back through my content, years of ups and downs, ebbs and flows, and I wanted to be able to go have a platform where I could speak on where it's not just, you know, your audio quality improved. Because sometimes, right, the listener's not going to be able to see that. But with my show, uh, The Windy City Breeze, you can literally see the growth it's had, the drop-offs that it has had, right? Like, I've gone from, you know, we got a nice studio to the studio floods, and now we're in a basement with a with a ping-pong table in the middle of us, you know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah, we just got a random bear head laying around, now the head's on the wall. Like, there's, there's been so many ebbs and flows and uh, studio version, different things like that, and I, I thought it was really cool. To, and, and and it reminds you, right? Like, I can go back, and, and every now and then I look at an old episode, and I'm like, my God, I really have come a long way from where I started because it, that was crazy that I was recording, like, in a basement with a tire to the right of me. Like it, nobody knows the tires there because I knew how to frame it. But seeing right. that, you know, like that, that part, the archiving and, and doing all of that really is uh, something that drew me to YouTube and, and creating video on that. That is pretty cool. And, and like you said, when you talk about the evolution of your journey, going from a basement to a studio and, and having a tire next to you to now, like when we look at your content now, it looks like you are in an actual legit studio, like, like you with you know, ESPN or Fox or something like that. So, the journey of you and how you got to that point is legit, my dude. That's some real stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it is a real studio now because uh, shout out to the super producer Joel Holt. He's, I mean, he's kind of taking his vision. I've I asked him to come on, maybe a year and a half, two years ago, something like that. And um, you know, since he's come on, he's really implemented his vision on the show. And now we got, yeah, there's, there's more cameras in there than I ever thought I would need to do a show. Right? Like he's somebody that just had that ready to go. So. Uh, I got to give all credit to him on that, but it was, it's, it's, yeah, man. Like it's, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of ups and downs on YouTube and oh, sometimes people get embarrassed 
when you have to go through them down periods because it looked so up. Oh, it looked like this. It did this. I had this, and now I got this because that broke or whatever it is. So uh, I take all of the ups with the mindset of, um, you know, th this is a blessing that I'm in an up cycle right now. Absolutely. So you said you have a producer, so I'm curious. Uh, the Windy City Breeze is your main channel. Although I know you have several other YouTube channels, but the, the Windy City Breeze is the main channel. Right now, you're sitting at 23,000 subscribers. Uh, so how long have you had that channel? How long have you been on YouTube? Uh, so the channel started, I want to say it started 2017. Um, it started gaining traction probably the last three, four years. But, you know, like it, I've I've had that channel. What is that? Oof, you making me do math now? Is that seven years? Seven years, I believe, I've had the channel now. So um, it's been, of course, during COVID, right? So it's a sports talk show. During COVID, there was no sports to talk about, right? It would make a video about the last dance every now and then because that's really all we had going into that mug. But um, there was, I, I believe, yeah, I started seven years ago. That's crazy, actually, to break it down. Yeah, seven years. It's crazy. Um, I'm looking at the channel. It, it looks like the oldest video six years. So, yeah, six, seven years you've been on Six, the yeah, channel. okay. And here's the thing. Like, I think you cover, like, all the different Chicago sports teams, like the Bulls, the Bears, uh, different things like that. Yeah. Was it always that way? Where you did you when you started off? Did you always start off cover wanting to cover all the teams, or is that something that you kind of gradually grew into? So I started off on YouTube trying to do. I wanted to have something where I could talk about sports, but I also like my goal was to have a reaction channel. Mm. Like you know, like when you see the guys reacting, do NBA clips and NFL clips and stuff right. like that. And then at that time, I think it's got a lot more lacks uh, as the years have gone by, and more people have gotten um popular doing different things like that uh but back then like when i started like if you put up an nfl video they was like flag you, know, you we will take your channel away stop playing with us like we have no <laughs> i mean like you're not gonna sit here and just mess around and and put our content out there and try to grow a brand on a digital platform that's not ours now i think it's gotten a lot more lax but my goal in the beginning was to be a almost like a um was that the guy I follow was OSN, uh, and and he was a a big like he would react to every Lakers game. He would react to every um, like a, a Kevin Durant game or something like that because there was a a beef back and forth there or something like that. But like that was my goal for the channel. I didn't expect it to turn into what it has now become. Um, probably until, I mean, probably year two of having the channel up there, we started being just like. Okay, we're gonna focus in on Chicago sports because you know how YouTube is. It's all about niche. Um, and I needed a niche. Yeah, I was very wide ranged with what I was doing in the beginning. And now, you know, it, it kind of niched down and turned into a Chicago sports talk show. Yeah, and I think that's where I want to go because you just identify having to niche down. But obviously, the the different segments of Chicago sports, they're, they're like their own little sub niches in their own right. Oh, yeah. you got the Bears. You got the Bull, Cub, White Sox, all of it. They're all they all have their own individual fan base. And so, I guess my question is how do how do you like make your content in such a way that you are still bringing people back and bringing in new people, even though you're covering different sports teams in Chicago? I think the Chicago sports fan at its core, Chicago's such a working class, right? Like you think about, it, I used to be a, an electrician. I'd listen all day to Chicago sports talk. Whatever you're talking about, Chicago sports talk has to be the core of it. Um, so finding a fan base is kind of like, of course, there are bigger sections in inside of my fan base that focus on more things. And there are some that cross over. I would say a good chunk of our, my fan base, as most of Chicago is Bears fans. Right. So when they come there, they want to hear about the Bears. They want to talk about the Bears. But there's also a good chunk that the Bulls fans and the Bulls, because of how up and down they've been. Right. Like they're very under catered. Um, or at least when I started an undercatered market, now there's a ton of bulls channels out there doing it and killing it. Um, but when you sit there and, and you worry about, okay, the final numbers have to be this, I have to be so niche down that, you know, I'm only talking about this one thing on this channel. To me, that limits the opportunity for crossover. That limits the opportunity to get people who are just regular Chicago sports fans, right? Maybe you can grow it on multiple channels, but it, if anybody runs multiple channels, that's a lot of work. I run multiple channels. Yeah. It's a lot of work. I would not recommend it to start off. A lot, a lot of times, you know, like for me, it was just about these are the teams I love. These are the teams I'm going to talk about. And I'm putting it all on one page because I know where everything is going to be at. Gotcha. So 
when you talk about running multiple pages, like you said, you do, because I noted recently that you started your separate Chicago Bear Breed channel. So what led to your starting that channel, even though you were talking bears on the regular channel, yeah. but now you have a dedicated bear channel. So why now the dedicated bear channel? That hasn't gotten um, as much love from me as it needs. But the reason I'm starting those up and trying to get them, you know, pushed and different things like that is because there are some people that only want that. But that to me, I'm all about having a hub for all of the content. So the Windy City Breeze is always going to be the hub for all of the content. Now, um, if I can build on top of that and get more Bears fans who are just Bears fans who don't care about Bulls videos, aren't going to click on Bulls videos, aren't going to click on Sox videos, they're not going to click on Cubs videos, right? Give them their own place, cater to that audience a little bit more. Um, then I think that that is something that, you know, is going to be a very, very successful channel. Um, and really, it's all, it also goes into the fact that we do a daily show every day, Monday through Friday, live. And um, on that daily show, we, we're going to talk about everything. We're going to talk about the Bulls. If the Sox have major news, if the Cubs have major news, those getting clipped out and all posted at the same time, right? Like that might not work on one channel. I dropped four videos at once. Some videos not going to get the amount of love that another one would. But if I drop it over on the Bulls breeze, the Bears breeze, Sox breeze, Cubs breeze, those are coming soon. Um, if I drop it out over on those, you know, those are going to get the love from the fan base that they deserve. And now you're going to see those channels grow. And listen, at the end of the day, a new source of income. Yeah, you know I mean, like you can't you can't <laughs> discount that, baby. You got to can't discount a new source of income coming in and, and really helping out with that as well. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about sources of income, because you mentioned earlier in the podcast that you do have a producer for the Windy City Breeze. Yeah. And I think you have other co-hosts on that on that channel from time to time. So. How are you uh, diversifying your revenue and different things for the winning city breeze? Well, I mean, listen, the, the, the guys that I have are amazing. Um, and they understand that this is a this is a building block. This is something that we're trying to grow towards. And so with that, right, we realize now that we're focusing our, our show on building out the look. So a lot of the funds from YouTube right now are just going towards that, you know, building out what the show is becoming you know, getting people in there that can help us, people that can pitch for us, people that can, you know, starting to build out a team. And I think that's the one part uh, of, of YouTube that was very hard for me because in the beginning, it was me, right? And there was a lot of times where, of course, P-Kid would come on videos. Ringo was always on videos, different things like that. But I realized that when I make the video, when it, like the, at the breaking news at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm recording it, right? The um the the okay this news just dropped you're about to run out of the house give me 10 minutes real quick to go record this i can edit it on the go right i'm the one that was doing the editing editing and things like that so for me it became very difficult to branch out and build a team and let go of things and different stuff like that um and now that we have the team in place right now that we're starting to gain a little bit more revenue we're realizing that, okay, there needs to be an investment in the show first, and then we'll be able to invest in ourselves because as you as you grow, as you invest in your show, as you build things out, that's going to bring sponsors. That's going to bring more money on the YouTube side. It's going to bring more viewers, which does bring more revenue in, you know, like, so there's a lot of, I mean, like, when you look at our studio, I would say a good majority of the YouTube check and different things like that right now is going towards just putting that back into the studio and growing, you know, that side of it. So you said you mentioned YouTube revenue coming in, but I'm curious when with you having people that you probably have to pay, I'm guessing, are you getting like sponsorship from brands and different things like that? What are some other areas besides YouTube revenue that you are experiencing or having to, to, to make things work for your channel? So for me right now, right? Like we're, we're blessed that we're in a position where we can kind of self-fund it. Um, but now we did just make the the switch to try and get sponsorships. We've got somebody on a team that we pay that is dedicated to just going out and finding that, right? Um, and, and when you get the sponsors, that is... that YouTube money's great. The YouTube ad revenue and all of that is great. It's a great program to be a part of um, because you know that you've got something coming in. But especially with a sports channel, um, <laughs> at times it is very focused on the success or lack thereof of the teams that you have in the city to right. talk about. Being from Chicago, we don't have a ton of success here, right? <laughs> like so, we're we're trying to we're trying to build towards success. We see more right. winning. I'm seeing the views go up when they're losing, and it depends on how they lose. Right, a lot of times, right, if it's a horrible loss, like I think a couple weeks ago to Detroit loss, 
those videos are going to do great because people just want to vent. They just want to get it out. Like, I can't deal with it. But after a while, right, when you get the, like last year, you know, you get the 10 weeks of losing. Bears fans are just like, we suck. It is what it is. I'm not checking that out. So, it, right, it all dictates based on kind of uh, what you're doing in that. So you have to find other avenues. For me, that was going out, being able to find sponsorships and and um, being able to find uh, people that are willing to be sponsors on the daily show, on the live calls, different things like that. So, you know, we that just it, is a part of reaching out. Um, a lot of times it's just putting your foot in the water. Um, I, I look at, you know, some of the sponsorship deals that we've had. We've had LinkedIn. We've had um, Bird Dog Whiskey. We've had Stolen, um, which is a whiskey company and like half clothing company as well. Right. And, and a lot of times it was just Instagram DMs, Twitter DMs, reaching out. Hey, I'm doing this, trying to make this happen, doing the digging deep to find emails out there. I mean, LinkedIn's different things like that. Bunch of different places where you, you know, you just got to reach out to try and um, get somebody to at least talk to you. And if they talk to you, you know, then you can get in contact with if they're not the right person, who the right person is. And, you know, to me, that is the way that you start to gain real revenue in this business. That's the way that you start to gain, you know, real cash flow in this business because the the YouTube check is great. And if you're doing millions of views, it's a great check to have. And it's a great baseline to have and all of that. But uh, right now, you know, when your channel's doing a couple hundred thousand views a month, that check may not be the same. And so you want to try and make sure that you have something to always fall back on. Most definitely. This episode of Tube Talk is brought to you by vidIQ's competitors tool. Checking in on what your competition is doing can be a great way to keep up with trends in your area of expertise. If you have vidIQ installed, you can find this tool on the left-hand sidebar within the YouTube studio, and from there, you can begin adding channels as your competitors. I like to select a range of channels, from the ones that I find to be the leading voices in my niche, all the way down to channels that get similar views to my own. The way that this helps me personally is that I can start to actually detect patterns in the types of videos that my competitors are releasing, which helps me discover some fresh ideas that are already proven to be working. The vidIQ extension works in both Chrome and Firefox browsers, and you can download it for free at vidIQ.com. So sports is an interesting uh, topic to create around because obviously it's a little easier when your sport is in season. Like right now, the NFL is in season, uh, the NBA is in season, different things like that. So oh, yeah. the content kind of kind of throws itself at you. But what about when these sports are in all season? Now, I know the NFL is pretty much a, a, a 365 type That's deal. a juggernaut right there. Juggernaut. But uh, let's say that the NFL wasn't so uh, content friendly year round. How does a sport creator or any creator in general create content when there's a lull in the in the area that they create content around or down period? I think you the, the, the number one thing, and I've really started doing this this year more than anything, um, is planning out your content. And there's a lot of people that they, they want organic content. I want it to be, I just jumped on the screen and I started talking and I made it. Well, you have to go in with a topic in mind. You have to go in with a point for your video because the thing about YouTube is um, you've got probably 25 seconds, if that, to catch somebody's eye. And I would say 25 seconds may be me being very, very generous. If you have a if you have a high quality look, you may get that type of time, right? But if you're recording, which everybody starts off in some place, right? You're recording off your cell phone and you got your AirPods in and you got it on cinematic mode, right? And you, you're sitting in your bathroom or you're sitting in your kitchen, right? The kids are walking behind you. You got like eight, nine seconds to, to have somebody say, all right, get to the point. Why should I listen to you? So you have to have your topic in mind. You have to have all these things in place um, to where you're not just rambling, but you're actually taking somebody on a journey through your video. That's where, to me, planning a video out comes in. Some people have to write it all the way out. Some people can kind of give you an outline and you can kind of just free ball it. Um, I, I think that that's kind of where you have to figure out what you're best at, what you're most comfortable at. And don't be scared to go back and forth with that, right? Like for me in the beginning, um, the number one thing that I did was I would have the points that I wanted to hit, but I wouldn't just record a video straight through because I knew I wasn't good enough at talking yet to just say competent things every single time, right? So there'd be moments where I'd be like, yeah, you know, Mr. Trubisky, uh, tell y'all I've been doing this, uh, Mr. Trubisky, um, he, and he's over the past six games, he's thrown for something like 1500 yards and blah, blah, blah. And then I'd go, I don't know if that's right. 
And literally, whole video still recording. I'd go look up the stats. I'd look at it and be like, ah, it's like 600. Okay, yeah, and that, that feels more right. Yeah, you know I mean, like sometimes you just get in the flow and you're just talking. It's a conversation and you're like, ah, it's not right. And then I would have to go back. I'd have to edit the video. And my videos used to have jump cuts, ton of jump cut. Boom, boom, boom. And I got to a point where I was so good at it that I would start up the last thing I said that sounded competent. And <laughs> I could literally cut it where it started to sound stupid and bring back the same, the point that is actually the factual point. And it looked like a smooth transition because I had, you know, I had practiced that so much. Sometimes you got to do things like that, right? You have to figure out what works for your content. But in those off-season moments, just sitting down and recording, people don't forget stuff, right? I have people that pull up videos from five years ago and be like, you were an idiot. I just got to be like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because, because I'd say stuff off of emotion or off of feeling or how I felt at that moment. And in the beginning on YouTube, you don't know that. But like as you go through, you realize people are going to pull things up for you. So it's better to plan out your content no matter what you do. And I think that that gives you a, a lot more comfortability in those times where whatever your niche is, if your niche has an off season where you're preparing for the next season in sports, that's really all it is, right? The NFL season ends. We're preparing for the draft. The draft season ends. Now we're preparing for training camp. There's maybe a, there's probably a four week lull in the NFL season in the entire year. And it makes life a lot easier. Basketball is a lot more difficult for me. Basketball doing locked on bulls and different things like that on my channel. Um, you got to dig deep because in the off season, Nobody cares about basketball unless, like, there's major trades. And then once the trade is over, it's like, all right, that's done, right? So there is, there's there's major lulls in that. Okay, now how do I hit on history? How do I hit on what should happen? How do I hit on what went wrong last season? How do I hit on what went right last season? I, right, like, those are all things that during the season um, or and, and for whatever niche it is, during whatever your high period is, write down those things and just have them in the, like, I, this is for when it's a dark day. When you have those days, you go to that list, you pull it up, and then you can break down that topic and and go into that. And I think that makes um, that, that makes your content relevant year round. And that's the one thing that we pride ourselves on is the breeze. Yes, there's a, a lull period kind of where, you know, it's not as prevalent the conversations we're having. And we'll finish a video and be like, I feel like we've talked about this for six weeks now. Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, it's about finding different angles to attack that same point. Right. And that's how you keep it going. Definitely. So I want to talk about something that happened. I don't know how recently it happened, but it's something that happened that you kind of made a transition. And this is crazy to me because I'm pretty sure a lot of content creators that are covering sports would love to have the opportunity that you currently find yourself in. So obviously, as you alluded to throughout the podcast, you started on YouTube six, seven years ago. Yeah. And as of now, today, you are the host or one of the hosts for an ESPN podcast. Now, yes. that is wild to me. You started off talking about sports on YouTube, but somehow found your way to ESPN. Yeah. And even though you're hosting their podcast, whatever, you're not on, at least I don't think you're on TV per se. Usually that leads ultimately to you being on TV at some point in the future. So I'm curious to hear about this journey of how you went from YouTube creator to ESPN podcast, though, because that's wild to me. So, um, yeah, I, I dropped that video on my Path the Designer channel. It did better than I thought it was. I probably need to post on there more as well. Like, I got I got so much stuff going on, I don't get a chance to. But basically, um, you know, we I had been creating for six, seven years on YouTube. At that point, I'm in the ad revenue program, but it's not a ton of money, right? Like, it's right. in the beginning, right? You're like, I'm making money, but, like, I'm I'm not yeah you know, I'm struggling a little bit here. So I actually had to. I'm a journeyman electrician. That's what I did by day. I was Batman at night on YouTube. Um, but I'm a journeyman electrician, and I had to go back to work. There was a year where, you know, I got laid off from one job. I said I'm gonna go 100 with YouTube. Made money, didn't make enough money. Had to go back to work. That's what I talk about when I say there's always those fallback periods. Um, and every, every entrepreneur creator is going to go through those. I went back to work for an electrical company. I was making a lot of money. I was like, it was, it was more than I thought I should. You know, when you look at your check, you like, I can't believe 
right. that they doing this right now? Like, what are y'all doing, guys? What's happening? Like, it was one of those things where like, I was in a, I was a journeyman, and I went in, and I started getting the journeyman privileges. So I asked him, I was like, Yo, what do you need me to do? And it was like, make sure he punched that hole in the right place. I was like, you paying me a lot of money to watch this dude punch a hole all day. So I end up doing what I do, listening to podcasts all day, waiting for this apprentice to punch the holes in the right place. And we keep moving through the day, blah, blah, blah. So um, I'm very big into audiobooks. So I, I finally decided to listen in on Stephen A. Smith's audiobook. And it hit me at the right point because when you, a lot of times with dreams, when you see money, um, the dream ain't that important no more because I'm getting money. I got this. I don't need this, but this is the thing that you love. And I was getting enough of this where I was like, I think I might be done with YouTube and I'm okay with that. I'm at peace with that. I'm ready to move off of the platform. And the breeze will do what it does. It may be over. I, I gave it a go. Good run. Good show. I can tell my grandkids about it. And as I was listening to Stephen A. Smith's book, he was talking about all the people that he let down by basically he got he messed his knee up in college. He left college because he was so depressed that he couldn't play basketball anymore. But everybody else had these high expectations for him. He talked about a teacher that he was working with. And, you know, he he basically said, you you gave up, you turned your back on all these people that had confidence. In you. And that like triggered something in my mind to go, all right, I'm going to give this one last shot. I'm going to, I'm going to try my best. And I'm not, it's not that I'm giving, I mean, it's not that I wasn't being successful either. It's just that, you know, it was one of those things where what's the next level for me. I feel like I've attained this level. Can I get to that level? And I just went on LinkedIn and it was when I tell you sometimes it's just by chance. Uh, I'm a big believer in in God. So, you know, I, I believe that God gives you things when you're ready for them, um, not when you want them to happen. And I just hit up uh, the head of content, Danny Zetterman over at ESPN 1000, um, told him my story. I literally wanted to help them with social media. I was, I think, very construction-like. So in construction, right, you get your foot in the door, you prove that you work hard, they give you more, you prove that you can handle that responsibility, boom, boom, boom. So I was like, I'll just work my way up. And, I mean, within four hours, he responded to me and basically was like, listen, I don't know what made me check LinkedIn this day. I almost never go on there. But I saw your message, and I'm very interested in talking with you I think in the message, I said, you know, let's have a, a virtual cup of coffee, you know, link on Zoom, different things like that, have a cup of coffee, talk. And he was like, why don't you come downtown and we can talk in person? Came downtown, talked in person. Uh, and when we sat there, you know, I was sitting there pitching them on social media. Boom, this is what you need. This is what I can build for you. I can I can make these things happen. And and he was like, I need a host. <laughs> and it was like, he's like, like, you, you all right, let's push all this over here. I don't know what I was talking about with that. Let, let's have this conversation now. You know what I mean? Like, and so, you know, it's it's not even so much that, you know, what I believe happened in that situation that helped me get to ESPN was I had put in the work. I had put in at that point what it would it would have been six years of work, five years of work, whatever it is. They could see the history. They could see everything that I had done. They could see the personality that I had become. They could see how I was talking about my teams, how passionate I was, how much I loved them. I had already put in the work, and I just needed somebody to open the door for me to get to the other side. Danny allowed that door to be open for me. Now I'm able to be on ESPN. I host the podcast over there, Chicago Bears podcast, Monday through Friday. I'm on the Chicago Bears postgame shows on the radio. I, I host on, uh, I do fill-in hosting right now on ESPN 1000. Uh, I'm going to be on there Christmas Day for five hours, I think. Like, it's crazy, crazy amount of time. I mean, me, Cap, Jesse Rogers, it's going to be a ridiculous time on Christmas Day listening to us. Mm. But, uh, you know, like, I, I think there's nothing magical, I'll say, that that got me to ESPN. I believe that you have to put in the work, and then when people look at the body of work, they can make their decision, yay or nay. Um, but how it happened I, to me is just one last chance, one last shot, and not giving up. 
there was that point. I was ready. I was like, I'm good. I'm at peace with it. I'm done. Moving past it. Boom, we up out of here. And I had gone through so much that previous year of I ended up getting fired from my job. My daughter was premature. Um, she was born at 27 weeks, so super premature. Didn't know if she was going to make it. I used YouTube as kind of like an outlet, like a I got to do this to like get some energy out or like focus on something. And then, you know, you kind of get to a point where it's like, this is too tough. You get something that feels like it gives you the breakaway. It, it is the pressure release valve. And for us, it was a financial issue. And it makes you lose sight of what you wanted things to be. The reason that you were doing it at first, the reason that you were working for me, working long nights, working, I used to work 16 hour days, come home, record videos, get back up, work another 16 hour day. You know what I mean? Like lack of sleep and all of that. You got to remember the reason that you want to do that, because to me, that's what I had forgotten for. I mean, I'm talking about maybe a week and a half, two weeks. Like it was literally it wasn't like a massive amount of time. Like it was just like, I'm going home to record a video. I don't want to do this. But why was I doing it before? That's the part that I had forgotten. Right. And then, you know, once once I got the OK for ESPN um, and and then buying the Chicago, but it was it was it was the weirdest, like it was a perfect timing thing. And that's why I say God gives you things when you're ready. ESPN just so happened to have bought the Chicago Bears this year. Um, I'll give you even deeper insight on it. We were actually working out a business deal that would have paid us money that ended up falling through to where I was going to uh, video record for a long drive golf tournament. And they were all in on it. They were excited about it. I would basically go out to all of their tour events. I was going to do all the video uh, audio stuff and we were going to, you know, have a set price and it was going to be nice for us and, and lock us in. Had they, they, they came back. They basically just didn't hit us back and then randomly were just like, nah, we go in a different direction. Right. Had I have gotten that job, one, I never would have hit up ESPN. And two, I, the day that I met with Danny, I would have been in Arizona mm -hmm. recording and working. And I, yes, I would have got funds that way, but it wouldn't have been what the dream was. And so, you know, to me, when you see stuff fall in place like that, it's just like, all right, I guess I'm meant to be here. Now let's go dominate. Amen. So love the story, man. And I talk about it a lot on these podcasts and the live streams that we do. Hard work pays off. Obviously, when you had that meeting with Danny, he probably, he doesn't bring you downtown if he didn't do a research on you. So clearly he did a research on you, saw what you have put out on YouTube, and he felt like you were a quality enough person to uh, bring you in and meet with you. And now you're at EFPN. So you had a body of work out there that people could look at and like, oh, this dude is serious. You know, we yeah. talked about being committed, being consistent, because the other thing that we talk about a lot on VidIQ, being consistent with the content that you make, 100%. because that's very important, because that means that you are willing to show up even when you don't feel like it some days. Um, and, and you and you got to where you are. But I'm curious. Obviously, you still got the winning city breeze, and you're kind of like a come competitor in a way to ESPN. No, I mean, obviously ESPN is like a mammal compared to winning TD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're still a competitor. So I'm just curious, do they have like any rules or anything like that in play for what you can't do with your channel as it relates to baby uh, button and locking heads with them? Um, We haven't had nothing crazy. I think the only thing that has been as, as the show has got more popular, if I, as I guess I have gotten more popular, right? Um, we always did live calls. We always like would just call games. I would do play by play on them, stuff like that. That's not exactly okay when people pay millions of dollars to do that stuff, right? Like when they buy the rights to do that, right? Um, so that's really been the only change with the channel. Outside of that, though, no, ESPN's been great. Um, they've allowed me to do my own show. They love the fact that I do my own content, actually, because you know, the, I mean, you're not hindering an audience. The one thing that's Competition is interesting, right? Competition is numbers. Competition is how much money are you making. Competition is, you know, how much of an audience are you bringing in on a consistent basis and who has the best on that? But we live in the city of Chicago, and I think that this is the thing for everybody where you can view people as competition. You want to go Mamba mentality, all of that, and that's very much how I look at a lot of stuff. I'm very pissed when other channels um, are doing better than me, but I also say, okay, there's a reason that they're getting what they're getting, how can I maybe take something from that or see something from that? Or, you know, it, it, it might just be that they got their audience set in and they, a lot of these months, I ain't gonna lie, the hardest part is 
athletes just all of a sudden making podcasts left and right. Nobody cares what Pat says, Back. right? When when I can get it from the dude that was on the court 20 minutes ago. Yeah, I mean, like, all right, bro, let's relax on the new media a little bit. No, I kid. I love all of it. And, and I think that gives, I think I, I implore people to watch stuff like that that have sports podcasts because we also live in this era of like, well, he said it first. So that means that you're copying him if you said it, right? Yeah. Which is the dumbest thing in the world because you can't learn things unless you heard them first. Mm -hmm. I can't learn about this certain stat unless I read this stat or I heard this stat somewhere else. And just give him credit. Like who get who cares about that? But as far as the competition aspect of it, right? Like one, like you said, the breeze is a pinhole of the world network of sports at ESPN. Right. But the other thing is, and the thing that I think ESPN understands, you see that with the Stephen A. Smith show. You see that with um, uh, uh, Shannon Sharp's podcast. You see that with so many things is that the brand is not just the ESPN anymore. A lot of times the brand is the creator. Right now, you know, I have to move as if I am a brand because in theory I am. And this is something that has been a very difficult adjustment for me this year because in my mind, right, I'm Pat. I hooked the PlayStation up to that TV back there and I'm sitting down here playing video games with my homies that I've been playing video games with for five, six years, right? Like I'm I'm the same dude that I've always been, but you have to start to kind of think of yourself as a brand because that's what ESPN thinks of you as. And, and when you see that, um, the, the biggest thing about it is they haven't had an issue with my show because they've seen the crossover that my show brings to the Chicago Bears podcast. Um, the first time I was on, I filled in on um, the national show for ESPN um, with Peggy Kaczynski for the Bears postgame show. That goes out to the whole country. Um, anybody that has Sirius XM, basically. And everybody who called in, I mean, there were a couple here and there that were a little bit more, you know, like normal callers, different things like that. But everybody who called in was like, yo, Breeze Nation, what's good? <laughs> hey, what's good? It's the Breeze Nation. What's good? Right. Like so, so they know that my audience can transfer over. I have I have this audience built up. They don't want to take that away. They right. want to add to that. Now I have an audience of people who uh, uh um have no idea that I do anything with the breeze and they just think I'm on ESPN. They're like, where the heck did this guy come from? You know what I mean? Like that's that's right. a real thing. Like I have people that only know me from the locked on podcast network. They don't know I do anything with the breeze or ESPN. I they had a guy walk up to me and was like, uh, dude, like I saw your face on four different channels, man. You're everywhere. And I was like, yeah, uh, I do, you know, four different shows. He was like, bro, you have more shows. I was like, which show do you know me from? Because <laughs> I've only seen you on ESPN. How many shows do you have? You know what I mean? So like there, there is a lot of that, um, that takes place. And so I don't think ESPN views it as a competition. I think that they view it as our guy's brand is everywhere. And that brand, in turn, works back to ESPN. Now, I got to act it up. I've been wondering since I saw you uh, work with ESPN and different things like that. Obviously, you have access to ESPN employees like Courtney Cronin. Uh, you get to interface with Lance Briggs, who's the former Chicago Bear, different yeah. things like that. My question is, are you allowed to have them on the breeze? That's what I'm curious about. Um, I, yeah, I don't think that they would have an issue with that. Um, we haven't done it because fitting in our schedules around the Chicago Bears podcast and, and the Chicago Bears in general, right? There's a lot, yeah. As they, like every day, there's something like every day, there's there's <laughs> something up at Hallis Hall. Oh, god, yeah, there's something up at you know, what I mean, like, and it's not always bad, but it's just like every day you're putting in some level of work. Like, I work with Jason McKee, the work that he put in this season is amazing and i don't know if everybody knows it right like he's our sideline reporter he's on the chicago bears podcast he's been on the radio uh and on top of that he's the head coach at carmel football mm. who was a game away from going to state so this guy's doing offensive game plans defensive game plans he's watching the all 22 for his own school he's watching the all 22 for the chicago bears he's on the sidelines he's prepping for games he, like he's an animal he's one of the hardest working people that i've seen work over there and so I don't think that there's an issue with bringing them on the breeze. Uh, I think that it, it hasn't happened because we're literally all running around every day. Like Courtney Cronin's another one, right? She's on first, or, uh, not first. She yeah. was on first take for a couple of weeks, honestly. Yep. Um, she's on ESPN radio. She's on around the horn. She, yeah, I mean, like we we are 
this is the most and the part i love about it is as a content creator you don't know that like these guys are working just as hard as you do like i swear people think stephen a smith walks in a building and like people hand him papers and then he just sits down and starts screaming like there's a lot of preparation that you have to do to do shows like this and if you if you care about it right there are some people that can sit down and just go that is my opinion this is how i feel about it blah 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 but for me for you know what i've seen j mac do what i've seen courtney do right like there's a lot of work that goes into it after i watch the bears game i literally go straight to re-watching the bears game and trying to find different which sucks right when you have a 16 13 game versus the carolina panthers and both of your teams are god awful at that point in the season but just like watching the breakdown, watching the film afterwards, right? Like th those things all go into you sounding competent in these moments. And Chicago don't play. Oh, if no. you sound like an idiot, Woo! they're going to tell you you're an idiot. Now, there yeah. are moments where they're going to tell you you're an idiot anyway, anyway, no matter what. Right. But if you literally come out there and you're like, well, you know, uh, Justin Fields is one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. That's just how I feel. Oh, you're going to get eviscerated. You better have some numbers. You better have some statistics to back it up. And guess what? He's such a polarizing figure. You got to be on both sides of the fence. You got to know the stats for the negative and the stats for the positive. Yep. So, like, th there's there's a lot that goes into breaking it down, and I think that's more so uh, the reason that we haven't seen that crossover. I don't think that there's an issue with having guys on my show. Okay. Another question I have about this, and it's something I've noticed since I've been a creator for six years now, Sometimes, I'm not going to say all of them, but sometimes the regular non-creator journalists have issues working with content creators or acknowledging content creators as this. And sometimes they go the other way. Content creators don't like journalists or whatever, for whatever reason. I'm curious to get to, to know how the ESPN people responded to you when you became the host of the podcast. How did the Courtney Cronin, the Lance Bridge, and everybody respond to Pat the Designer? Like, because again, you not you're not from that world. You're a content creator, but they brought you in. Yeah. So I'm curious, how did they respond to you? Um, everybody on the surface was great. Maybe they hated me behind closed doors. Uh, maybe they still do. I don't know. But it, everybody on the surface seemed great. Um, and they were an, an asset. You know, like I, I showed up at ESPN. Everybody was like, listen, use me. Yurko is one of my favorites because, you know, Yurko, when I was on the radio, I was talking about something. He said he'll text me in the middle and add clarity even more so to the things that he said. And then you say that on the radio while you're live. Um, like everybody's been great over there. And and I have seen that in my career. Um, <laughs> I won't say who the number one guy is, but he's a pretty big, uh, he's a pretty big bulls writer, I guess, in the Chicagoland area. And he had an issue with, you know, us being, you know, a podcast, small market podcast, blah, blah, blah. And, he was the only one who I really like you where you were like, man, like you really are just upset that like people don't love you as much as they should. I guess like I don't know what you what your beef is here with us. Like you picked the most random fight and I was still early enough. This is pre ESPN. I was still early enough where I was frying people on Twitter. So like me and my co-host just end up like roasting this dude back and forth and we were dying laughing. But uh, outside of that. You know, like at ESPN, everybody's been great. Everyone's been an asset. Everyone's been uh, available. Um, I think, you know, Courtney Cronin, I'm able to text her whenever something goes down and say, hey, you know, what is the game plan here? Um, what do you think is going to happen here? I remember uh, most recently uh, Shaq Leonard got released. Boom. Hey, can the Bears do anything on this? Probably not. Cap room, all of that that goes into it. Now I'm on a video on the breeze. I'm using the information that I've gotten from her to make that video there. I'm also mm -hmm. using that information the next day on the Chicago Bears podcast because this is information that I'm getting from NFL insiders. So they've all been very helpful. Um, I don't think that there's ever been an issue. And, and the one thing, I guess, right, I guess to give myself credit and pat myself on the back a little bit, I, I try not to do that, um, is I pride myself on, for the most part, not going into conversations sounding like an idiot. What I mean by that is I don't go into a conversation with Lance Briggs and tell him that I know how to play linebacker. Oh, God. Please don't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I don't go into a conversation with J-Mac and, and tell him how the NFL is because I've never played in the NFL. I've never right. been in an NFL locker room. I've been in a high school locker room. Yeah, you know I mean? Like, it's, it's, that's just a bunch of dudes trying to figure out how the shower works pretty much. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's, it's a locker room feel, but it's not the same. And I don't understand the world that they've been in. I don't understand the world that they come from. And so a lot of times with J-Mac, 
um, who's who's another one who's helped me along in this journey a ton. I'll I'll text him and say, hey, um, this protection scheme on this, what's going on here? Or um, what do you want to see? Right. Like the the big one for me this season with the Bears, are they teaching them to block small on big, which basically are you teaching a running back to block a, a defensive end? Um and, you know, I, I didn't know that in the beginning to start the season. There's stuff that I've learned throughout the season because I'm working with people that watch film, read tape. He broke it down on the film, kind of what we're looking at. Even, I mean, even last week, breaking down the DJ Moore run. Like, he's somebody who's like, okay, this is what you want to see. This is how you split the field in half with the numbers. This is how you break this down. Like, that's just me gaining knowledge. And I'm not going to sit here even now, right? Now I can come into a conversation more prepared. Now I can come into a conversation and say, Okay, boom, this is what, you know, they're running on this sets. This is 12 personnel. This is 11 personnel. This is boom, boom, boom. We can sit there and break that down, and now we can have an intellectual conversation. But if J-Mac says, this is how it is in the NFL, I'm not going to be like, mm, I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just like, and we see people do that on TV all the time that you know who it is. Everybody knows who it is. Okay. Oh, everybody knows who it is. You know what I mean? You got to go. But everybody knows who it is. They, they'll say, you know, tell a Hall of Fame tight end, you know, you weren't that good. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, you yeah. know I mean, like, I, I, we all know who it is. So, like, oh, we I think that those are the moments that, um, that make me good at what I do because I'm gonna take the insider information. I'm gonna take the players. I'm going to take uh, uh, the guys who have been in those situations, and I'm basically just gonna say, "Here's a question on a tee. How far can you hit it?" Boom. There you go. And I love that approach that you have. Respect the people who have done the thing in the faith and not try to act like you're better or you know more than yeah. them who've actually been in the faith doing the thing. So yeah. my my one football story involves me dislocating my shoulder and lying to my mom. So I'm not going to uh <laughs> I'm not gonna pretend like I had an illustrious NFL career. <laughs> Absolutely. So if you have to give a piece of advice to a creator who maybe is in your position, they're on YouTube but maybe they want to transition into the industry that they're covering. Maybe they're a sports YouTuber and they want to maybe get into an EFPN or a Fox or whatever sports uh, organization they're looking at. What would your advice be for them? Reach out and don't be afraid to hear the word no. I feel like there's a lot of people now that um, feel like the word no means no forever where a lot of times the successes come from consistently reaching out. Now, it doesn't mean badger them. It doesn't mean be annoying. But if you get a no from one place, maybe you get a, a yes from another. For me with ESPN, right? And, and for me with ESPN, I had reached out a couple of times through different people. Um, and the answer was no. It just so happened that this time the right person saw me, the right person looked at me and said, this guy can be a star. Um, I'm not saying I'm a star yet, and maybe one day, maybe I'm a Stephen A. Smith soon to be. But uh, you know, he, he looked at me and said, "I think that we can build something with this guy," and he said, "Yes." Don't the same consistency that you show with your channel should be the same consistency that you show with trying to promote and get yourself out there. If you want to get to the other side, it's honestly just about somebody saying yes. There's still gatekeepers, like right, like. In our minds, right, we're tearing down the doors of gatekeepers and different things like that. No, there's still gatekeepers. Oh, yeah. And and does it suck that they're gatekeepers? Yes and no. Because, you know, everybody don't deserve a mic. Everybody has a mic, but everybody don't deserve a mic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's just that mics are cheaper now than ever before. So you get to hear everybody on a mic. But there's a lot of opinions that, you know, get out there and everybody deserves their own opinion. But a lot of times you look at their opinions and it's like, oh, well, that's why you are where you are. For me, I think the number one thing is just if you put in the work, if you are consistent, if you uh, come with an audience, I think that's the one thing. I learned that from Charlemagne the guy. He said, nobody can say no to me because they know the audience I bring. I heard this on a brilliant idiots episode like probably 10 years ago, like early on. And he was like, nobody can say no to me because they know the audience that I can bring. Right. Like they everybody wants my audience. And yeah, they might say no in the end because financially it doesn't work out. But I'm going to get a conversation because of the audience. Build up your audience. Don't focus on getting the Fox. Don't focus on getting the ESPN. Don't focus on getting to, you know, uh, um, it's the CWs into sports now. You know what I mean? 
um, focus on building up your audience, building up your craft. And if you got that body of work, you'll be able to go out there and do it. And once you feel confident in that, then you go after it. Woo! Pat the designer bringing them heat. I love it. How did, how did you come up with the name Pat the designer? I got to ask. Um, so it, it started off as because I love music. So that was my my music name. Um, gotcha. And it was all based on, you know, designing the life that I want, designing the life that I want to build. And um, it's kind of worked out that way where I haven't gone through the conventional methods of getting to where I'm at now. I've gone through, heck, in some cases, I've gone through the harder path because I was just too dumb to realize there was an easier, easier path to the right side, right? Like sometimes you're just so focused, you don't pay attention to that. But uh, Pat, the designer, just it comes from designing the life you want to have, designing the life you want to lead. And, and um, you know, everybody else is, everybody always goes like, oh, you, well, what, why don't you wear designer clothes? They don't have nothing to do with that. <laughs> designer clothes be expensive, bro. I'm not doing that. I mean, like, I mean, the most designer thing I got is my, my well, I do got some, I got some designer stuff. Man. I'm not going to lie. You know what I mean? It's just, checks get a little bigger. You get a little bit more opportunity. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's what it comes down to. Make sure that you design life the way you want it to be. And it doesn't have to be the way that somebody has told you it has to be because that's how it's always been. Yeah. On that note, you got to make your own way, man. You can't, you can't hold yourself back because somebody said that you can't do it. You just got to go after what you want. That's how you're going to get to where you want to be. 100%. Pat the designer, man. Amazing talk, chat. I appreciate you taking the time, my dude. Obviously, if the people want more of you, they can check out the, the Winnie City Breeze. The link will be in the show notes. Or you can go find EFP 1000 on the radio. You'll, you'll hear them on the Chicago Bear podcast, which is also on YouTube as well. So oh, yeah. Check on, out. On YouTube, we're everywhere, man. You can find me on. I'm on so many. If you're a Bulls fan, Locked On Bulls. If you're an NBA fan, I'm on Locked On NBA once a week. I, I work a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I took the construction mindset. I work a lot. The man works. He's a, he's a hardworking man. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you making the time, my dude. Anytime. And if you guys want another episode of Tube Talk, you know your boy Black will be back next week with another episode of Tube Talk presented by VidIQ. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk brought to you by VidIQ. Head over to vidiq.com slash tube talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.